It's a pleasure to uh, be able to uh, preach in, uh, for Richard today. Uh, he's become a good friend and shared some times together. In fact, one of the first times that uh, we had set up a time to meet, we were going to meet at Cracker Barrel, you know, an important conversation. <laughs> and uh, I was sitting in a parking lot because I thought I'd arrived early. Richard was sitting inside uh, Cracker Barrel for a while. In fact, about 30 minutes waiting on me because <laughs> somehow I got my time mixed up and it was my problem, not his, as I went to my calendar. And sure enough, I'm sitting in a parking lot and he's sitting inside and finally I made my way in and we're still friends even after that uh, uh, opportunity of engagement of, of some conversation. I want you to, this morning to think with me about the first thing you can remember as a child and circle that in your mind. Go to the second thought you remember as a child. Circle that one as well. You know, we do have memories, don't we? I have a memory right here with me this morning that I put on the pulpit. It's a Bible that I was given, one of the first ones I was given outside of what my parents had given me. I was a part of a neighborhood Bible club, and a lady by the name of Mrs. Jugan taught that Bible club every week to all the neighborhood kids, and she challenged us. She said, if you will memorize the 23rd Psalm, I will give you a Bible. Well, that's like, I'm going to memorize the 23rd Psalm. And thus, I was given a Bible. This Bible was given to me in 1963. I don't carry it with me often. In fact, I had to go upstairs among all the Bibles that I have and search for it. And sure enough, there's the Bible Mrs. Jukin gave to me. That's a memory I have as a child. What's the earliest story from the Bible that you remember learning about. I mean, I, I can go to several of them, as I'm sure you can. You can go to the obvious ones. You can go to David and Goliath, especially with David being my name. And we have another David, you know, that helps us over here as well. And, you know, you just go to the story of, uh, you know, that's, that's common to your own name. But I, I recall being taught, uh, like the 23rd Psalm, I remember uh, you learned uh, John 3.16, you these stories that, uh, you know, captivate children, they stay with us for a lifetime. There was an elderly preacher over in uh, the Atlanta area in a church that was going to be recognized long after he had retired, 92 years of age. And he hobbles kind of to the uh, pulpit and stands over the pulpit. And he said, thank you for the opportunity of engaging you today. And I'm putting this in my words, but he said, I, I want you to know today that I was challenged by our pastor to talk about what's the greatest thing that I've ever learned. And he started saying the words, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And thus later in the service, we're going to share a, a different uh, words of that song at the close of the uh, service this morning after the Lord's Supper. But what do you remember? Uh, you know how memory is important. And the older I get, the more I want to remember. But in the scripture, we have several passages that challenge us to remember. There's the one that says, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. There's another passage, do this in remembrance of me. And this morning, we're going to be sharing the Lord's Supper. It's important that we remember what Christ was willing to do in our behalf, the body that he was willing to give and the blood that he shed for us is real and this morning we're going to the table to recall what Christ has done for us and he's done so much for us 
As I look at it, and it's hard to see because these lights are blinding this morning. I don't even remember that part of preaching here before, but again, it might be part of my eye problem. But this morning, we're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard Version when I'm reading off the screen this morning. Uh, Just so you know that, I'm not just making it up, okay? It's coming from New American Standard. And then we're going to the Lord's Supper, and we'll close uh, the service this morning looking at the, uh, the table of our Lord. How, how can we implement the importance of remembering the Creator? That's the story of the passage in Ecclesiastes that I've chosen for this morning's message. Actually, last week, I was on, we were on our way over here to worship, and on the way, I, Karen said, what are you going to preach on next week? And I said, well, I don't know. I'm working on three sermons. I'm not sure which one. And all I'm doing is saying, God, let me know this morning what I'm supposed to preach on next week. And right toward the close of the service, Walitha turned around to me and she said, you know, next week we're observing the Lord's Supper. All about remembering. So the other two sermons are for another day, another time, but we need to look this morning at the opportunities to get to know the God of creation. If we don't grasp the reality of that, we'll miss the opportunity of it. We find in the Old Testament, particularly a couple of guys by the name, one of them by the name of Joseph, it talks about how he came to understand God's provision in his life in Genesis chapter 37. Over in in the story of Daniel, Daniel also captured during the days of his youth the importance of knowing God. Timothy in the New Testament had that same flavor about his understanding of knowing God, of remembering God in his life. And so we look this morning, we're just kind of going to walk through the passage of Scripture this morning. But I, I want to look first of all at verses 1 and verse 2. It says, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and, your, and the years approach when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are darkened and clouds return after the rain. Here we find the word uh, remember coming out loud and clear in verse 1. Remember, it also carries with it the idea of before. What's he saying? He's saying during the days of your youth, develop the habits of knowing God and getting to know Him better every day. If we don't develop them during our youth, and I'm not talking about ages 1 to 18 necessarily, during the youth or the earlier days of our life, we will not have the habits to take on the challenges of life. But as a result of developing them when we're young, we're ready for them as they come. It says before before the regrets come, before we start getting older. You know, I'm older now than I was when I served here I don't know, six or seven years ago. Uh, you know, I've I had a knee, one knee replacement before I came here, a couple years before I was here the first time. Well, I've had three more since. Don't look at me strange. I only have two places for knees, but I've had four <laughs> knee replacements. And so moving around's a little bit different than it used to be. In fact, I, I remember preaching in a church across, uh, across the way uh, not long after I had one surgery, and I hobbled trying to make my way down the steps. And I wasn't ready for that kind of a, of a thing. There was no handrail to hold on to. And I remember people in this congregation gasping, thinking he's going to fall face forward. I, I'll never forget the experience because that's how I felt too. I thought I was going to go down like that. Remember the Lord. Um, develop the habits 
of life as your young before. Before what? For the regrets, before the passing of age, before death begins to approach in our life. As you look at this verse, verse 1, before the evil days come and the years approach, when you're going to say there's no pleasure. I can tell you sometimes there's no pleasure. I went out to clean up my garden boxes the other day, you know, just to kind of take a plow and begin to plow them up. And I had roots in my garden growing about three inches around, I guess, going the length of my garden. Boy, that was frustrating. I thought that thing's not going to win this year. I'm going to take that thing out of there. Well, by the end of that, I looked like death warmed over by my wife's own words. It says, uh, you know, get your life right with God while you're young. Before the sun and the light, the moon and the stars darkened and the clouds returned uh, after the rain. Reflect on the days ahead. You know, I know if you're young here today, younger than me, you think, what's this passage have to do with me? Well, let me caution you to realize life goes by in a hurry. I used to hear my parents say, days are shorter than they used to be. Well, there comes a point after, so, after you get so old that you don't think they're ever going to end. You know, what time can I go to bed? All that kind of thing. <laughs> think about the inevitable decline that the, of the aging process. It's natural. It's how God's uh, created us. He's created us that we might function uh, continually, but in a different kind of way. The inevitable decline is there. Body functions begin to decline. If you look down in verse 3, it says that on, on, the, on that day, the watchman of the house trembles and strong men are bent over. Grinders stop working because they are few and those who look through windows grow dim. Now this passage is really saying to us this morning, look at the word grinders. You know, they're the molars. You know, they begin to fall out. They're not, stay, they're not going to stay there continually. You look at the, uh, the person that's bent over or the one that's trembling. What are you trembling from? Well, your strength is not there in your arms like they used to be. Your legs aren't as strong. You can't go, uh, go as strong and as hard as you once were able to. He's saying, look out the window. What's that all about? It's when your eyesight starts going. You know, I, it was almost a, a... Angela almost set me up today when she said, I put my whatever her glasses were a while ago. Because as you get older, you can't see as well. And God's just forewarning us, get your life in order before these things start happening. There even comes a point where, look, at going out in the street, going outside of your home is work. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about going to work. I'm talking about it's work, just getting outside of the house. It says, and the doors of the streets are shut and the sounds of the grinding mill is low. And, and one will arise at the sound of the bird and all the daughter, daughters sing, will sing softly. Furthermore, you know, he even compares it to the grasshopper in verse 5. It says, furthermore, people are afraid of a high place and of the tares of the, on the road. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and the caperberry is ineffective. You know, this, this passage is pretty clear. He's saying we get to a point in life as we begin to age, we're fearful of heights. That we once would get up on top of houses and climb ladders to the day's end, we no longer want them. I've got more ladders in my garage than I will ever get on again. You know, different sizes, different heights, different purposes. 
but it doesn't thrill me anymore to get up on a ladder. He says, you know, when your hair begins to turn silver or white or loose, all a part of the aging process. We have difficulty walking. You know, we begin to be hutched over a little bit. You know, I have to literally make myself stand up straight. Because the natural right now, my foreknee replacement deal is I want to lean forward. Aging is real. Aging is tough. There's a story about a man that went to his doctor really with a complaint about his own wife. He said, doctor, I want to ask you a question. He said, my wife is having trouble hearing. He said, really? Yeah. Doctor, do you have anything you'd suggest? And he said, yes, I do. You get about 10 feet away from her and you say something real simple. And then you move to five feet and two feet. So he tries it out, goes home, and he's talking to his wife from 10 feet. He said, what's for dinner? No response. So he moves to five feet. Again, no response to his question. Finally, at two feet, she responds, and he doesn't hear. And finally, he said, can't you hear me? I ask you, what's for dinner? And she said, I've said three times, hamburgers. You know, sometimes that's just the story of our life. You know, if Karen's in the kitchen and I'm in the front room, I can't hear her. It happens a hundred times a day, I know. It's got to be frustrating for her and for me and for many in this congregation this morning. Because as we get older, we begin to lose the abilities that we once had. Enjoy during the days of your youth this whole idea Remember the urgent call to enjoy life by remembering the Creator. Do it every day. Make it the habit of your life. Get to know the Creator for the purpose, even to the end, of serving Him with your life. Then he comes to verse, really verses 7 and 8. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. And then verse 8, futility of futilities, or another translation says, vanity of vanities. The preacher says all is futile, all is as if in vain. And the word futility carries with it the idea of a mist that appears for a little while and then goes, or vapor. Even though life is slipping by, check into the game and stay in the game. I coached a little... RA basketball team one time, when, about 50 years ago actually, when we were newly married. It was in my home church and we had a, a, a you know, fairly good team, except for one little boy. And that little boy, he could not dribble the ball without hitting his foot. I mean, I worked with him. Everybody tried working with him. His name was Brad. I've never forgotten him. Because one day, you know, we had a rule. You have to keep every child in the game at a certain period of time and I looked over the bench, and Brad was nowhere to be found. He's gone. And I said to one of the other boys, where's Brad? He went to the bathroom. Okay. Time goes by, and he's still not coming back. And I said, go check on Brad. He came back, and I said, where's Brad? He said, he's in the shower. And he told me to tell you he's having too much fun in the shower. He doesn't want to play the game. You know, that's a story I've never forgotten. But as we get older, we think it's a time to check out, and it's not. You stay active to the, for the Lord to the end. You, you get in the game. 
get in the game. When an older person dies, a library is lost and volumes of wisdom and knowledge are gone forever. You know, my, my parents, my grandparents taught me how to love older people. I'm so glad they did because it comes natural to me. I, I just want to reach out and hug somebody and love on them. And as we get old, boy, we need those hugs. But we also need to be giving those hugs to the younger. So the challenge is on both ends of that. And this idea of vanity uh, is, is if we're checked out of the game, check back in to the game. Get involved. Find your niche of serving the Lord. But I move to the second thought this morning, and that is remember the urgency of living for the Creator. Knowing the Creator is foundational to everything that, who we are and where we're going in life. We know the Creator. We know the one who can guide us in life. It says in this passage, verses 9 and 10, in addition to being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, and he pondered and searched out and arranged many proverbs. The knowing the Creator challenges us in our thought life. And boy, is the thought life ever messed with this, these days. All kind of things out there. Technology, and I'm not saying all technology is bad, but it sure can be used for the evil one. Get your thought life going for the Lord. He says, get that right. And then it says he pondered these words. He searched them out. He dug out the meaning of what it means in the Scripture to live for the Lord, to build a relationship with Him, and then take action. He organized. He arranged. He pondered. He arranged his thoughts. Build a relationship with the Lord. How's your relationship with the Lord this morning? Are you living out His purpose for your life? Am I living out His purpose for my life? We arrange those things. In verse 10, the preacher sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. Boy, the opportunity of sharing with others, teaching others what God has shown in our life. How we've had experiences. I still work with about 90 churches in the Columbia metro area. And I mean, I work with churches of all different experiences. Some of them are going through really hard times. And going into those churches, sometimes people will call me from those churches and they'll say, well, I, I need your words of wisdom. I'm going, what words of wisdom do I have? I have a lot of experiences that I don't mind sharing with anybody, and I do. Challenge everyone in this room. Teach what God has shown you. Communicate it effectively. Then thirdly, this morning, as we move to the third thought, remember the unwavering reason for intimately knowing the Creator. In verse 11, it says the words of the wise are like goats, and master of these collections are like driven nails. They are given by one shepherd. You know, we need to be ready to be corrected. How many of you like to be corrected? I don't. I, you know, honestly, I don't, but he, he's using a, a picture here of goads. And goads were used to actually prod an animal into a certain direction. They're getting out of line. They're going the wrong way. You goad them. 
and guide them, if you will, back into going the right way. And sometimes we need that in our life, don't we? And God can use others as the goads in our life. They come alongside of us and they say, you know what? You're out of alignment here. You need to line back up with the Savior. You need to let the Lord of creation really take hold of your life. We might not like it, but boy, do we need it. Every one of us need it. So he talks about the goads. Words of the wise are like goads to spur an individual into the right way. And it also uses the analogy of driven nails, nails firmly fixed, if you will. I'm not a carpenter. My, my father-in-law would tell you I'm not a carpenter. And he tried to teach me. And he knew the carpentry world. He could make a table, you name it, he could make it. My niche has always been taking an antique and putting it back together again. That's my love. I guess it's because it's old like me, and so I love them, you know, and I see value in them. But here the driven nail. It's talking about being embedded into the wood. If you're going to be embedded in the things of God, they have to be firmly fixed, if you will. They're going to hold through the tough times. And you do that, according to this passage, by remembering God by fearing God and by obeying God. And that will come up a little bit later in this passage of Scripture. But nail it down. Nail down your beliefs. Nail down who you are in Christ. Get to know the Creator God. Because that Creator God is the same God that we come to know through Jesus Christ our Lord. God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But beyond this, verse 12, it says, My son, be warned. The writing of many books is endless. An excessive study is wearying to the body. The conclusion, when everything has been heard, is fear God. Take the time to recognize it is important to remember God in your life. Fear Him. It's talking about a reverent type fear, but it's also talking about one that will get us correction. I lived during a time when parents still gave spankings. Uh, I don't know, I hadn't been in your home, but I mean, I'm talking about like it's, if my dad were to give me the same spanking I got as a kid, I, you know, he'd probably be in jail <laughs> if he were still alive. But, you know, fear God. The challenge is to understand what God wants to do in your life and in my life. For God will bring every act of verse 14 to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or whether it is evil. How are you doing with knowing the Creator? Let me move to the fourth thought this morning, and that's really the focal. Remember the unthinkable cross gets us connected with the Creator. And you know, when you first think about the unthinkable, you go, that's wrong. But how many of us could have come up with the solution that Almighty God, the Creator, came up with in order to meet our sinful need? Know that we might have right standing with Almighty God. Only God could do that. Remember the unthinkable cross gets us connected with the Creator. In verse 11, it talked about the one shepherd, the Creator God Himself, 
by title found in Psalm 23 and also Psalm 80. He called himself the shepherd God of Israel. And with Jesus, the eternal God of creation stepped into history, stepped into time, stepped into our lives in order to give his body and shed his blood. What an awesome reality. I've been in the midst of a study that God kind of put me on six months ago or more. There was a story about a plane crash in Columbia, the country. In that plane crash, small plane crash, there were four children that survived that plane crash. And as the story goes, the four children, you know, in a jungle in Columbia, how in the world do they survive? And after surviving 40 days while people searched for them, the only way they survived was by what their parents and grandparents had taught them. The oldest one was 13, if I remember right. The youngest, not even a year old. 40 days. As a result of that, I, I began to study because it kind of spoke to me all kind of scriptures about 40 days. And I got into the Word and started studying. A lot of, a lot of them we know well. But did you know right after Christ went to the cross, went to His grave, three days later He was resurrected. And for 40 days He was on this earth. Ministering to disciples, getting them, if you will, put back into order to move forward. But without His broken body and His shed blood, there would not have been the 40 days. Nor would there be churches today His disciples were in disarray, but he puts them back together. And in this passage this morning, Luke 22, 19 and 20, and when he had taken some bread, he gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is being given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after he had, uh, after eaten, after they had eaten saying this cup, which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. This morning we're going to go to the table of the Lord as a way of remembering what He has already done for us. Once and for all, He died for us. For everyone here, down the corridors of time, He knew your need and mine. And yet He went to a cross that we should have gone to to pay our own sin, pay for our own sin. He paid the price for you and me. I'm going to lead us in prayer. We're going to go to the table. If you know the Lord is your Savior, we invite you to this time of partaking of the bread and the cup. If not, that you just might let the Lord speak to you through this act of obedience as we celebrate what He's done for us. And then after the Lord's Supper, we're going to sing a little different version of Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. And in that, I challenge everyone here after we sing, to go to someone older within the congregation and just hug them. I don't care the age. Find somebody older than you are and go to them and say, Jesus loves you. And thank them for their years of service to the Lord. Our deacons are going to come forward as I pray and as we prepare for the Lord's Supper this morning. Father, I pray that you might speak in a special way through the elements this morning. Thank you, Lord, for challenging us to remember your special work in our life and who you are. Help us, Lord, to get, you know, get to know you better and better.
with the passing of each day. Use this time would be our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.